I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Good evening from Prague and welcome to the Bohemian Podcast of sorts. This is Pete Coleman. We are very glad to have you with us tonight as we are introducing one of our new spinoff programs called Past Access Did You Know, DYK for short. This is our YouTube venture that I've been working on for quite some time, and in all truth, it has taken some time away from the Bohemian Podcast, but never fear, the Bohemian Podcast lives on, except for this week as we try something a little bit different. We love our loyal listeners, and we want you to expand your listenership to our new Past Access show in the audio and video format. All this week, we will be playing five DYK episodes on this podcast channel in hopes of hooking you in to visit our Past Access YouTube channel. There you will also see some of our original Bohemian videos that accompany our audio podcast from the past seven years. Each day this week, to start off your September 2020-20, you will find a new audio version of our Past Access Did You Know show right here on Bohemian. The first two shows will have a prog slant, starting with tonight's Past Access DYK episode, entitled The Executioner of Prague. Now, you are correct if that sounds familiar, as we have done a show on Jan Midlarsh some years back, but this Did You Know takes a bit of a different slant, as we're coming up on the 400-year anniversary of this bloody 1621 day. Show 2 will be the review of the first-ever 2020 Comic-Con-sponsored event to be held in Central Europe. Prague played host to a very special, successful Comic-Con back in February 2020, and we were there to take it all in and talk about the storied history of comic books. Later this week, we break with tradition on the Bohemian Podcast to promote DYK episodes on the 50th anniversary of the Marshall University plane crash and my take on the rebirth of the football program at my alma mater in Huntington, West Virginia. Show 4 finds us in Stockholm, Sweden to talk about the sinking of the 17th century Swedish gunship called the Vasa. And finally, to complete this promotional week, Past Access Did You Know takes you back to World War I and the perilous drama of the American Lost Battalion and the carrier pigeon Cherami that saved their lives in 1918. We hope that you enjoy these special episodes and please make your way to the website called pastaccess.com or the Past Access YouTube channel. Like and subscribe on the YouTube channel. Your support means the world to us. Thank you and without further ado, here is Past Access DYK 
the executioner of Prague. It was 5 a.m. on June 21st, 1621, and there would be a man atop of a scaffold in Old Town Square in Prague. His name, Jan Midlarsh. He would have four swords like this, sharpened to a razor's edge, to cut off 15 heads that morning and hang about 12 others, the 27 noblemen of Prague that were responsible for trying to overthrow the government of the Habsburgs. He would become one of the more celebrated executioners of the day. Did you know Jan Midlarsh? Next on DYK. Welcome to DYK. This episode, just as a fair warning to you, is maybe not for the kids. It's going to be a little grotesque because we're talking about, you know, a very tough situation about execution, and it wasn't very pretty at the time in 1621. This is a goddamn solemn occasion, so shut the hell up, all right? This is the worst field trip ever. Jan Midlarsh was a man that was hard to hold to one's chest. Um, he could be considered maybe an anti-hero to some and maybe a, a person of pity that we would have today too for what would befall upon him later in life. Make no doubt about it, this was a seminal moment for Prague and for Europe. This was on the dawn of the Thirty Years' War, which is one of the worst wars that Europe had to face up until most likely World War I. Uh, one of the last wars that would ever use mercenaries and it was just a very destructive and brutal conflict across Europe for 30 years. And the seeds were sown here in Prague and the front row seat, Jan Midlarsh was there on top of that scaffolding in 1621. But why was he there? Why was he executing 27 Czech noblemen, of all things, that would send ripples across Europe? Well, here on DYK, we're going to jump into that because you need to know a little bit of the backstory of the Battle of Bilahora, or as we say in English, the Battle of White Mountain. In historical terms, the 1620 battle happened in early November and marked the beginning of the end of Bohemia's self-rule for the next 300 years. To understand the unrest, we have to go back two years earlier to the year 1618. Prague was in upheaval. The second Prague defenestration, whereas the Protestants threw out several Catholic representatives of Emperor Ferdinand II out of the Prague castle window, set the wheels in motion to rein in the anti-Catholic movement in Bohemia. It was then that the Winter King, King of Bohemia Frederick V, was named ruler over the Czech lands. Habsburg forces had to be used to rid the lands of this Protestant influence. Habsburg Emperor Ferdinand II sent his troops to lay down the law to the Bohemian noblemen and to the recently crowned Bohemian King Frederick. These events culminated in the Battle of White Mountain just outside the city gates of Prague on a cold and rainy day on November 8, 1620. The Protestant army totaling around 13,000 faced a much more skilled and numerous Catholic League force of 27,000 strong. The plains of Bilahora would be stained red with the blood of the estimated 5,000 casualties. The actual Battle of Bilahora lasted only one hour and left the Bohemian army in ruins. It all fell apart so quickly. By the time the Bohemian King Frederick started his way to the battlefield, the Battle of White Mountain had already been decided. 
With the Bohemia army already destroyed, the Catholic forces entered Prague and the revolt collapsed. King Frederick fled the country with his English wife Elizabeth, thus being named the Winter King for his short winter rule. Just under 50 noblemen were rounded up, imprisoned, and tortured. A year later, in 1621, 27 of these traitor noblemen were executed on the Old Town Square in Prague, hanged, mutilated, or decapitated as a warning to all enemies of the imperial crown of Emperor Ferdinand II. So now you have the context on why Jan Middelarch was so important on that June 21st day in 1621. But let's go back and talk about the man himself. How did he get to this position of being an executioner? One of the worst positions you could actually hold in Europe at this time. Why is that? Well, because an executioner had a rough life. He was in society, but out of society at the same time. He could only circle himself by people that were other fellow executioners. And what was very interesting about this was that even though he was considered uh, a well-to-do man in this, in this community, he was part of a profession that was on the bottom rung of everything you can think of. So Jan Midlarsh was a man that was caught between one world and another. But how did he get in this mess in the first place? Well, it had to do with a broken heart to a first cousin. Okay, on the count of three, say what level of cousins we would have to be for this to be okay. One, two, three. Fifth. Unacceptable oh, no matter what. Fifth. As gross as that might sound, but we don't know exactly for a fact if this story is true, but we have some facts that were historically backed up and we have some things that were kind of embellished. And here in Czech Republic, where I'm living here in Prague now, we have a lot of that with uh, embellishment with legends. And of course, this really applies to Jan Midlarsh's story. There was a writer from the late 19th century by the name of Josef Svatek. And he was a, a guy that put things together from the, the legends and the facts together. He did a great deal of research to put up the book Prague's Executioner, memoirs of Prague's Executioner to be exact. And Svatek's book kind of talks about Midlarsh coming into this profession because he wanted to do an escape attempt for a woman that he loved, his first cousin by the name of Dorota. Well, Jan Midlarsh, being a, a student of medicine at the time at the Prague universities, decided that he was going to pretend to be an executioner, if you can believe that. And what he did was try to go in and try to rescue her. So here's the story. Jan Midlarsh starts to make this great plan to free Dorota and run away together. Well, it doesn't work out. He gets caught, she gets walled up alive into a dungeon, as rough as that is, you know, can you say Game of Thrones, right? And what happens to him, he gets inducted from not being a, a medical practitioner anymore, but to become a forced executioner. And what did that mean? That meant some rough stuff. That meant the fact that he will no longer ever from that point on be anything else but an executioner. So that takes us to that point on June 21st, the summer solstice in 1621. Between the hours of 5 a.m. to 9 a.m., the walls were closed to Prague. Thousands of people were gathered in Old Town Square. And on this giant scaffolding, about six feet tall off the ground, would be men after men coming up on the stage to be put to death, even tortured while they were on the stage before they were completely killed by, by Jan Midlarsh. In that crowd, you had representatives from many other royal houses across Europe. This was a big deal. No one killed noblemen before, man. But this happened. And because this happened, it sent shockwaves across these nobility houses that even their necks could be cut at any given time. Have you any last words? None. Test. 
Jan Midlarch would have a sword like this. Well, not quite like a sword like this. It actually would be uh, a blunt end at the very end, not a point. But what he would have here would be a very sharpened, razor-sharp sword. He had four of them done. And he did this on purpose because he wanted to make sure that he had the strength and the right equipment to go through very quickly with those 15 noblemen's heads that he would have to cut off. It was said by the crowd that he was so good at hit what he did and so strong but he would take the, the handle, these two handles, like the two-hand handle, and he would come down straight like this, full force, so hard, they said that the head would fly off several feet into the crowd. I told you this show wasn't for kids, right? So there would be very little pain suffered by the person that was being beheaded, and that was because he cared about these men. He cared about them so much that he was able to make sure there was no mistake. One point I need to make about this is that if you were going to get your head cut off, and we've seen this many times through royal um, decapitations, so to speak, um, that you would pay a little bit extra. You have a little gold pence you would, or a groschen, so to speak, and you would give it to the executioner saying, can you do your job right? Because the last thing you want to do is three or four hacks down on your head if it didn't work. So to say it was gruesome would have been an understatement. Each one of these men had a different sort of execution plan in place. It wasn't just a quick sort of lobbing off of the head. Um, some men were actually had their hands cut off first and then they had their head de decapitated. Um, that was to kind of prove more to the point that they were the ringleaders of this Battle of White Mountain. Uh, funders basically of what was going on. So he had to do all those things. He had to nail one man's tongue to a board because he protested too much and the emperor wanted to make a, a, a an example of him. There was one man that Jan Midlarch really didn't look forward to to killing, and that was Jan Yuzinski. Jan Yuzinski was one of his mentors that he had at the university. They actually kind of worked together. Jan Yuzinski was a, 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 an intelligent man, one of the most intelligent men of that era, and he was to be executed that day. He was in a situation where Jan Midlarch knew him, and Jan Midlarch was actually one of those guys that would kind of steal dead bodies for him so he could dissect to make uh, anatomical drawings for at the medical college. So they had a background and Jan Midlarch knew that this was going to be a, a tough way to go. So he was going to do the best he could, but he had a mandate to make Jan Yasinski's death prolonged. Johannes Yesenius, Yesen. So what Jan Midlarch did, what he would cut off the hands first and then quickly then cut off the head of one of his good friends, Yusinski. And uh, that's one of the tough things that the crowd really did not like to see because Yusinski was a beloved guy in Prague. So if you can imagine that, this day was a long day. 15 heads chopped off, some torturers on the side, and about 12 men that were hanged in, on scaffoldings across the old town square of Prague. Uh, a rough day to say the least. So what happened to Jan Midlarch after all this? Well, he was responsible for taking the heads and putting them in little cages, as nice as that would be, and putting them on Charles Bridge, Karleve Most, uh, here in Prague. And they would stay for 10 to 20 years. They would rot away, and of course, there'd just be the skull, uh, sun-bleached skull that was standing there. Um, but it would be a reminder to anybody that came into Prague that this is what you don't do to try to overthrow the government. Uh, Ferdinand II's sort of pounding into this idea would really alienate him from his subjects here in Prague and in Czechia. Jan Midlarch was on the receiving end of some of that hate. He couldn't be 
really walking through the streets and given any kind of acknowledgement. Uh, his wife, Bieta, uh, really couldn't take the, the ostracization anymore. They were ostracized, and because of that, she committed suicide. He couldn't really get a fair shake anywhere he went. Uh, he was known to be one of them, right, of the Habsburgs, because he was the tool that did all this. He had a lot of money from this execution, but he really couldn't spend it anywhere because no one would take it. So, a really tough life in the sense for Jan Midlarsh and uh, what he had to go through. Looking forward into his, his progeny, well, not so great either. His grandson, of all crazy things, was an executioner as well. Remember we talked about once an executioner, always an executioner, your kid's an executioner? Well, his grandson was an executioner, but was charged with arson in Prague that caught most of the city on fire. And because of that, he was sentenced to death on that same scaffolding that his grandfather used in 1621, and he had his head chopped off. So not a great sort of ending for a lot of these guys here connected to Jan Midlarge, but a man that I think is important for you to know here in Prague, everybody knows him, but the rest of the world here should know him now too as well. So now you know about the executioner, Jan Midlarge. We want to thank you for joining us tonight on DYK, Past Access DYK. So if you have any questions or comments or you want to help maybe donate to the show or give us some ideas that you want us to, per, to go after uh, for the next episode, don't hesitate to send us an email. Go to pastaccess.com. You'll see the DYK spinning logo there. Click that. You'll see all of our shows, the ones especially coming up, and you can also send us an email message there. If you want to help support the show, which we would love your help, there's a lot of overhead we have to do with this program, uh, you can actually go to podcastnickshop.com and you can take a look at some of the great merch that we've got there. Some things that are on DYK, some things for Past Access, and some of our other podcasts that we have under the Podcastnik label. And remember, you can also be part of this show. Give us an idea about what you want us to cover in DYK. It could be anything from culture to uh, history to disasters. Well, you name it. We'll put it to our spinning wheel of destiny on the last part of the month to give you a chance to maybe dictate what I need to do. And we'll follow up on that show. So until next time for Past Access, DYK, from Prague, I'm Pete Coleman. Have a good night. This has been Past Access, Did You Know? with Pete Coleman. For more information on this topic or other DYK shows, please visit us at pastaccess.com. Be sure to visit our Past Access YouTube channel. Like and subscribe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.